Welcome to the Digging It podcast by Bendigo Baptist Church Young Adults. Each podcast will be digging deeper into the sermon, looking at your questions and fleshing out what wasn't covered. Congratulations on taking the time out to join us this week. Let's dig in. Well, hello, hello. Uh, 2020 and we're into a new season of the podcast and it's exciting uh, to be here having a go. And tonight I've got uh, I've got a bunch of people with me. We've got um, Mitch Knott. Good to have you, Mitch. Good night. And we've got Louis. Hi. And we've got Meg Lyle. Hey, Dave. And over here with our headphones and the microphone, we've got Ben and Grace Tat. And that, well, at some stage they might get the headphones and the mic. Um as we start off, we are in a series over the coming uh, four weeks of um, thinking about what is the gospel, what does it matter, um, how, do we, uh, how do we think clearly about what the gospel is and what it means for us. And um, uh, on Sunday, uh, Pastor Dave Lovell was speaking to the fact that the gospel um, uh, originates, uh, I guess, or starts with, with the kingdom of God. Uh, a big part of it is that... Um, uh, I guess the gospel represents the rule and the reign of God, and it, it's seen most clearly in Jesus Christ. Um, but um, And so the questions that we have uh, here on the Padlet uh, are going to come out of that. And we've been having some great discussion for a little while, and I hope we can do justice to that now um, in the podcast. So we'll, we'll dive into it. Uh, if the kingdom only comes in the first century... Has God had his hands tied since the fall? Or are we to understand the kingdom being wrapped up in Jesus? Well, we're uh, dipping into some theology there. Uh, What do you think, Meg? Uh, Take us away. Well, I think if you're going to say that God had, ask if God had his hands tied, I think you need to ask if our sin ties God. God's hands and look yeah. at it. Look good, at how our sin affects God. Um, yeah. And I think not assuming that God is always acting in response to sin, uh, but looking at he already knew that we would sin and he already knew what he was going to do yeah. in response and how he was going to send his son. Yes, okay. So Jesus wasn't a plan B. He was mm. plan A all the time. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I think that's a, that's a great way of thinking about it. So so you would say that, um, that God hasn't had his hands tied since the fall? No, I wouldn't say that he had his hands tied. And I think you can almost go the opposite direction and see that in sending Jesus, he's actually displaying his glory to us. And in sending Jesus, he's showing us more of who he is as well. It's not him having his hands tied and responding to all the bad stuff that's going on that he didn't expect to happen. I don't think that's it at all because God's all-knowing. So he obviously already knew when he created humans what was going to happen. So he would have already known Everything, because he's outside of time. He created time. It, in Genesis, it talks about he created the the sun and the moon, and he talks about creating the first day. He created time. So yeah. he's outside of time, yeah. and he already knew everything that was going to happen in its entirety. Yeah, and and he's under no obligation to break back into our world and respond to our sin, is he? Mm. No, he's not. It's his choice and he acts in mercy and love and he shows 
who he is by his response and his his faithfulness and his unchangeableness, for lack of a better word, right now, yeah. that he he continues to respond in love and mercy towards his people. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Mitch? Uh, because I have a sneaky idea the question might have come from <laughs> someone like you. <laughs> a novel idea, Dave. Um, I suppose only in that, I think as long as we understand that, like what Meg was saying, God is outside of time, yeah. that yes, Jesus' atoning sacrifice does make it possible for God's kingdom to be here on earth and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But to see that only emerging in our first century AD and running onwards, I think we miss the point and look at it only from a human perspective. If we see that that sacrifice that Jesus made is once and for all, um, and that past, present and future, it, it's all paid for in that, I think we get a much clearer picture and our theology starts to make more sense. Yeah, that, that, that's good. Um, and so when we, that second half of the question, are we to understand the kingdom being wrapped up in Jesus, what would, what would you say to that? That's sort of, I suppose, where I was trying to go before, and that it's, it's wrapped up in, in the person of Jesus and in what he came to do what he, and what he did. And I suppose by being in, in his person, given he is eternal, it's, it's not a... It's not an event in our time scale. I think we miss things greatly if we say we're because we're first cent, we're New Testament Christians. Yeah. We're now living in the age of the kingdom. I think Jesus has paid for it. God has revealed that part of His plan to humanity, but that has always been. Yeah. Um, and that that is what makes it yeah real for us. That is the kingdom that we're looking for, not not some time time frame. Mm. Yeah, that's sort of where you. Yeah, uh, that that's good. And, and Louis, you were um, you were mentioning earlier that the role of faith in in the way we in the way we see um, God at work in His world before the New Covenant. Yeah, yeah. So um, in Romans four, it talks about how um, Abraham was credited. Um, so it said Abraham believed God and he was credited to him as righteousness. So it's clearly talking about the faith that Abraham had um, when he was asked to, you know, offer the sacrifice, um, his only son. Um, so, yeah, it's like faith not works in that sense. And then in Galatians, it also talks about how um, faith came before the law, which is fascinating. Yeah, and so um, as they as they acted in faith, they were they were grabbing a hold of of God's kingdom in some sense, weren't they? Yeah, I suppose so because that was the um, you know through Abraham's lineage. That's how um, you know Jesus came to be sacrificed. You know, on that same place that Abraham's son was supposed to be sacrificed. So God definitely was working throughout the timeline of the Old Testament to put His plan into motion. Um, yeah, so that yeah, not yeah. sitting there with his hands tied. Exactly, that's right. Yeah, that's good. Let's move on. Um, how do we practically proclaim the kingdom to a hurting, dying world? Is the next question. Any thoughts, anybody? I think we. It's important that we do it with credibility. Yep. Um, 
that we do acknowledge the hurt and the pain in the world. Um, and I think it's... Do you, do you think we miss that sometimes as, as Christians? I think we do. Um, I think particularly being in a well-to-do Western church, um, we get too easily hung up on the fact that life is fine and we're all doing well. And if any of us are even remotely honest with ourselves, I think that's, that's covering stuff. Um, yeah. I think also as much as getting solely hung up on a social justice gospel, as Dave said, is giving people a nice ride to hell. I think um, I think our actions and what we do is kind of important. The bit that yeah. sprung to mind for me is where Jesus is, I think he's in Capernaum in his hometown, and he gets up and he reads from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit <laughs> of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the captives, to, um, to proclaim freedom, freedom to the prisoners, good news to the captives, and the year of the Lord's favour. There's a... That's... That's sort of kingdom as a practical component to it. Yeah. Um, it's not just empty words. Yes, absolutely, the words are important. That's how we make sense of things. Mm. But I think our lives need to need to reflect that, and I think can certainly include myself in it. That before we before we get hung up on influencing others, we need to keep re-examining ourselves, keep spending our own time with God, and mm. um, our lives are perhaps the best one of the the best ways to display what what that kingdom means yeah so part of of being uh in the kingdom of god is or being in the place where god rules and is seen to rule and reign is that we are submitting ourselves um to that and then practically living that out is that often we're getting down and dirty with people yeah. And it's not so much the words we'll say, but we're practically proclaiming it by by getting in the gutter with people, by by walking through the, the hurt and the pain of life with them. And, and we're showing that, yeah, um, God's, still, God's still king in this. And Yeah, and I think the, a radically changed life is, is part of that. Yeah. Um, to be able to say, you know, um, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah even though that's probably a, a, a gradual and day-by-day -day process. Yeah. Um, slowly, less and less, we're putting, each day we put a bit of the old self to death and take on more of Christ. He keeps sanctifying us, making yeah. us more and more like him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good. Any other thoughts uh, around, the, around the circle here? Well, yeah, I think Mitch hit the nail on the head. I think it is about, it does start with having... Your own faith, you can't, if you don't believe it, then you can't share it. And I don't think you can share the gospel if you don't know it as well. And I think it is, it's a whole life. It's submitting daily to God and practically taking it out. It is, it's going out with a changed heart and it's knowing the gospel, knowing what it is and what it isn't. And I think when we... When we submit to, to God, he's going to be changing us and then hopefully we're going to be able to proclaim it by yeah. his strength and not our own. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, Megan, I'll, I'll grab hold of your example, that, that one simple practical thing we, we might find ourselves doing is is offering to, to pray for people and continuing to pray for people and continuing to, to hear the, their hurt and pain and, and to pray into that. And in, and in praying, 
we are proclaiming that there is a God who rules, and and we we don't rule, but we are we are offering ourselves and these people in these situations to Him, and and mm. that's very practical. Mm, yeah, that's something I've definitely seen, and it's with a friend that I've had for over ten years now. We've been friends, and right at the start of the friendship, I could we didn't really get along, and I could feel that. I could feel that God was wanting me to be friends with this person. I can't quite describe how I knew, but I knew yeah. that I had to be friends with this person. Um, and 10 years later, we're, we're best friends still. And she's been going through a really rough time with a dad with cancer. And just I can just see that over the past 10 years, that just those little those little things that we've talked about and we've had some great conversations about who Jesus is, what the gospel is, and... She knows and just being able to say, you know, I'm praying for you and and for her to know that and for her to know that someone cares and to just learn little bits about God along the way, I think friendship and long friendship can be the best way to do it and in being friends with someone, they get to see how you respond to things, how you respond to hardship, how you talk about God during those times Mm. Um, and I think that it's really they get a, a bit of an inside look into what being a Christian is like, even if even if they haven't come to faith, they yeah. get to see it. Yeah, it's good. Okay, let's um, let's move on. Um, and this is this is a two part question, and uh, I am interested to hear a little bit from Ben here. He, he's shaking his head saying no, but I've put him in a terrible position, and Mitch is handing the headphones to him now. <laughs> Do you personally believe that the gospel has been adapted or watered down today so that it attracts a wider audience rather than spreads the truth? And uh, I think as we as we talked about this, we all agreed, yep, there's all sorts of situations. Um, Meg uh, uh, muttered about some of the books that we find uh, <laughs> being um, being circulating widely in Christian circles. Um Ben, you, uh, you you talked about lemons. <laughs> um, yes, I, I did. I I, uh, I guess I'm a more visual or practical thinker, and I just imagined this uh, question more like: um, if the gospel was a whole lemon juice, um, what does watering down look like? Um, and I guess we talked about no matter how much you water down uh, a lemon, um, you'll always taste the lemon that's there to some degree. Yeah. Um, so whether or not um, people do choose to water down the gospel, uh, which is an interesting concept in itself, um, but how, however they choose to do that or whatever they choose not to tell somebody about the gospel, um, there's always still the truth that's there somewhere. Yeah, so there is still still some truth there, but uh, but watering down can happen in in all sorts of ways, and and that visual idea is, is good. Um, it, it loses some of its uh, its flavour. Certainly, it loses some of its bite, its effect on uh, on people. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's the reality of it. Um, it. It's not always though that it, it come that watering down may come with a bad motive, uh, is it? We we talk a little bit about the fact that we will. We will want to rightly want to help people be able to hear the gospel to to relate to it and um, 
and from that right motive we want to do that um, we we can sometimes um, uh, diminish it and and make it uh, less than what it is um, what do you part two of the question if you consider this to be true how do we combat this while still taking other people's opinions and emotions into consideration that directed at me as well well Thank you, you can David. go for no, it that's good um, <clears throat> uh, Mitch touched on this earlier and I thought it was a really uh, a really uh, I guess an interesting way of looking at this, probably part two. Um, I guess in our in our um, I guess there's two ways that we share the gospel um, in what we say and then in what we do, um, and they both need to match quite quite consistently in in yeah. that. Um, but I guess if you if you water down, as we're using that term, um, or choose to tell parts of the gospel that assist someone in that um, circumstance, I guess the most relevant one I can think of is someone is. Is, is is suffering from depression or is quite sad, um, it's quite easy to talk about the love of Jesus, but you don't really necessarily want to talk about their sin and how much they need forgiveness in that time as well. You kind of want to meet them where they're at with that in a, in a, in a, in a way. Um, but if you choose to do that and you choose to water down, um, it's really important that you can also then show the full gospel, I guess, with actions. Yeah. Um, in that yeah. respect, and you kind of you you still take into the their emotions into consideration. You still think about their opinions, and you can still have that conversation. But I guess if your actions can back up the the full intensity, the full lemon, if we go back to the analogy, <laughs> um, then if your actions are if your actions are showing that, then um, what you say and where you meet them and how you adjust to their emotions emotional state, I think you can still have the same full impact. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. as Meg was saying, throughout a throughout a friendship, you can do it again and again and again and again. Um, you can slowly, I don't know, add strength back to the drink. <laughs> Stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the reality is sometimes uh, th- th- there will be a starting point that that we move on from, and um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. Let's um, let's keep going. Uh, it's a Something that Dave brought up was was the reality that as we as we've diminished the gospel in various ways, um, uh, maybe we've sh- maybe we've we've warded it down might be the description. Um, one of the results in churches all over the place ha- has been that um, young people in particular have um, ha- have left have uh, have left the idea of faith behind and. Um, so the question here is, what's a practical way we can address the issue of, of people leaving the church or getting lost from their faith? How do we address the issue of fixing the heart? And um, I think we would say, firstly, if we start the last bit, um, God alone can, can deal with our hearts and our hearts' conditions. And um, we, we, uh, we want to uh, be just uh, helping people to encounter the God who can deal with the heart. But, but how do we... Um, how do we help uh, young people uh, not just uh, wander off from church community? Yeah, I've got a few thoughts. Um, yeah, so basically there is so many things in this world that can distract us from our relationship with God or can stop people from coming to a relationship with God. And um, yeah, I think as young people, you know, um, they're really trying to get a hold of what their identity is and yeah. sometimes they may... Um, yeah, get a little bit confused in that process. But I think the practical things that we can really do is, you know, as a church is like, I think one thing I think I said was um, how, um, say, you know, um, 
people get a bit older and you know they go out into the world and you know <clears throat> their you know the christian view is sometimes challenged by other people and if they don't have a strong knowledge you know of christ and like how to combat these issues it might discourage them in their faith and another thing was they might go into the world and they might find you know the world enticing and yeah that might stop them from wanting to follow after jesus but i think what we can do is um have you know really strong supportive and loving community of believers who um yeah just really want to get to know these young people and want to be a a really strong you know role model in christ for these people and obviously being honest and vulnerable as well because um um, like we were talking about earlier like we don't have it all together like we we need to really you know uh, i guess bear with one another you know share you know our sins expose our darkness to the light and, and just show people that yeah that um that we need Christ, you know, to be able to to overcome our sin, and yeah, I think if if the young younger generation can really see that, um, it, it might really, you know, help them, you know, in the long run. Yeah, yeah. So you've touched on a few things there, Louis. Uh, foundation of identity, uh, really good. Uh, <laughs> people around that um, can stick with them and support them. Um, I- integrity of, of you know, living out who we say we are. Uh, Meg, you wanted to um, to throw your hands <laughs> in the air and have say something? <laughs> yeah, as Louis was talking, it just made me think of, uh, I think, is it Paul who talks about the body? And how there's the hand and the yes. eye and the arm. Yes, in Corinthians. Uh, yes, in Corinthians. And it made me think of if young people are part of the body, then if they're drifting away, then the rest of the body will feel it. Like if your hand goes to walk off, you're going to, f- well, you know, not walk off because it's a hand. But if it goes to crawl away, <laughs> you're going to feel it. And the other parts of the body are going to respond to it. Yeah. And it made me think of that, that if we have... Um, others in the church who are invested in young people and they're part of the church body, then it'll act as a body should. It'll try to keep the parts together as a body. Yeah, yeah, uh, amen. Uh, my hair walked away from me many, many years ago. And I've been missing it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's still some on there. There's still some. Um, yeah, that's that's good. Uh, I hear people um, talk often about the value of just uh, people around them who took an interest in them, take an interest in them, uh, and help them to be able to hold on to a uh, community. Mitch, that uh, that third one of Louis. Um, sort of living out who you say you are um you had a few things to say about that earlier yeah um i think it's important that we do more than just become just be a be be just a loving community because you can get that anywhere you can can pick up a a good supportive social network wherever you want to go yeah um i think we need to particularly and i think we do a bit of a poor job of it in the western church of grappling deeply with the fact that life's not all roses it's it can be pretty crap at times, mm. and that none of us have it together. That we're often going through stuff. Um, I know. I suppose people, sort of my age group and a bit younger, um, occasionally get them turning up to youth, and they've got the, the persona of mate, my life is sorted. I've got everything right. We all know you're going down to the clubs. Just say it. Admit it. Everyone's yeah. everyone's going through stuff. No one has it sorted. Yeah. Admit, hey, I'm figuring this out. I don't know what to do with my faith. Yeah. Uh, hell, you can get to being 24 and don't know what you're doing with your faith. Yeah. Um, I think it. I think if we we kid ourselves 
drastically if we somehow think we're a super Christian, an instant we come to faith and instantly we have it all together and we never have any more doubts, any more concerns, or there's nothing ever in the Bible that worries us, troubles us, confronts us. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an, an important thing that our church needs to do, and we're all part of that, me included, is to be able to say for some of this stuff, hey, yeah, this is, this is confronting. I don't yeah. know what to do with it. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out. Perhaps maybe we talk this through. Yeah. Maybe we don't get to a conclusion. Maybe this is one of those things that we just have to ha- we just we choose to have faith in a loving a loving faithful God and that this is the way he set the universe up and that's the best we can answer it. Yeah. Some stuff we might get to a deeper conclusion than than that. Um but yeah. I think having that conversation honestly and openly is important. Um I think uh, as much as as important as the community is, if it's just community with su- superficial conversations, I can go anywhere to hear what happened in the football games on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, one last question. How do we stay optimistic about working for the kingdom of God when prophecy tells us it's only going to get worse before it gets better? Um, well, I would say to Peter, well, I would say with Peter in, in John chapter 6, to who else do we go? Um, and... Uh, I guess that that is one thing that uh, we have before us. Um, there, as I look around the world around me, um, I don't see hope in any other endpoint than um, than Jesus Christ. Um, they're all doomed. Um, there's no other. <laughs> there's no other scenarios that are that are hopeful at all. And um, and so I find optimism in um, in God's kingdom. Um, being as he describes it is he's he's bringing it uh, to be completely uh, fulfilled the reality is yes it, it will continue to get worse we we will continue to make more and more of a mess of ourselves um, and and the world in which we live any other thoughts quickly uh, I suppose to me um, and personally that's what keeps me holding on to Christianity is it's the only only option out there that holds out grace yeah. I'm acutely aware of my failings, my shortcomings of how wrong and broken I am in the world around me. No other religion, to my understanding and knowledge, and I'm happy to have a chat if I've got this wrong, holds out grace. Everything else is works-based mm. um, or or purely relying on the whims of a god. Mm. Um, to my understanding, Christianity is the only thing that's holding out by grace you have been saved. God... God says, yes, you've stuffed up. Yes, you're broken. Yes, you're making a mess of the world that I've made. But I love you. I love you enough that I came and I paid for your sin. I've paid the cost, the difference there. And now I invite you as as a child. You're adopted into my family. That, to me, is tremendously hopeful. Mm. And I don't see that anywhere hanging anywhere else out there. Yeah, that's good. You want to say something, Meg? Yeah, I think... I really agree with what you said and to to add to that that we see that our lives our lives on earth they're so short anyway in the scheme mm. of things they're really but a breath and we are but dust and to to see that throughout the scriptures that God is a God who is faithful he keeps his promises and there are still promises yet to be fulfilled by him and I think putting our hope in that of that the, he will sustain us for all eternity as well, um, that he has forgiven and 
that he's going to have a new city and a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth. Mm. And I think to see his faithfulness and you see that from end to end. And I think having hope in that. Yeah, yeah it's good. I think also just what they're saying, Meg, that not only faithfulness and hope in his faithfulness on a global time scale, but on an individual time scale. Mm. Mm. When life's looking crap, look, has God let you down thus far? Mm. Has he has he ever failed you? And if you I think you can probably confidently answer he hasn't. Mm. Do you see any reason that he's gonna start anytime soon? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, we uh we got an end of our time. Uh thank you everybody for um uh joining us. Uh if you're listening Love having you part of it, and for uh, you guys who have been part of the uh, the podcast today, I appreciate your help. Uh, thank you, Luke, behind the uh, behind the desk there. And um, till next week, all the best. Yeah.